Welcome to the Providence Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Nathan Herndon. If you'd like to stay connected, download our app Providence Community from your phone's app store or visit our website at providencecommunity.org. Good morning. How are we? My hair's short. All right, you see that, all right? Thought I'd get that right out of the way, all right? All the pictures they have, they don't even work anymore, all right? So, but... Uh, Went to the barber, said, hey, losing my hair. He says, I know. Uh, we said, let's go a little shorter. This is what happened, all right? So, um, but I think I look better, all right? That's what I think. So uh, I know who I am as a son. If I'm defined by my hair, I've got problems, all right? So uh, anyway, you know what I mean, you know? So welcome today. I think this is uh, February 2nd, 2020. Two, there are lots of twos in that. I don't know what that means. But uh, I do know this is, a, this is a day maybe where God wants to double something in you, right? Uh, I hope it's his love. Uh, I hope that this morning you, you, you staggered or stumbled in here. And I hope you were angry and critical. I hope you were mean. I hope you yelled at your kids this morning, all right? And I hope that the love of God breaks you uh, and, and double uh, fashion this morning. That's why, that's why I hope. And in fact, uh, I'm not just going to say it, I'm going to pray it. I'm going to ask it. Uh, can you put your hands on your heart this morning? And let's just close our eyes and just take a moment just to think about the unfathomable love of God. Just so incredible and wild is the love of God. So unthinkable. What, what mind has perceived what heart could ever imagine a holy God running after sinful people? This is, this is incredible, God. And so I just pray this morning will be a morning where uh, we could barely stand. Where we, uh, where we it, would ju- it would just be uh, impossible for us to leave the same. Uh, I just pray that your love would come and, and chase out all darkness and all fear. Uh, fear is the opposite of love. And so I just pray you ch- uh, chase out all fear. Fear of things that we don't understand. Fear of people that we don't understand. God, just come and do your thing this morning. We're excited uh, to uh, be wrapped in your love this morning. And it's, and it's fierce and it's ferocious. And so, uh, so handle us uh, well, God, but, uh, but change us, we pray. And so we bless you. We give our hearts to you right now. We... Uh, we uh, declare our hearts yours this morning. Every place, every secret place, every hidden place, and open and available to the, the presence and love of God this morning. And we bless you and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, well, I want to tell you a story this morning to start things off. I, uh, I bought a puppy um, last week. Um, and it, it's not, I felt, it, it, it's, the puppy's so ugly that I just felt bad for it. So when I saw it, I thought I'd buy it. You know what I'm saying? You ever seen a puppy? It's not even cute at all. In fact, I think we got a picture. It's not, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're, do you have a picture of that on the screen? It's, yeah, it's just, it's very ugly. Very, very ugly. It's just, uh, it, it looks so vicious. I, do we have another picture there too? We just maybe, it's just, yes, yeah, very, very, it's disgusting. It is disgusting, you know. Uh, actually, I went, uh, uh, not yesterday, but the Saturday before, just had it on my heart, wanted to bless my daughter, Grace. I've been promising her a pup for, for three years. And um, we, uh, you know, we'd seen lots of other people get dogs, but um, 
we didn't get her one. We, we tried once with a black lab, a wonderful dog named Hero. But uh, my, my daughter is allergic to, uh, to dogs we found. And so isn't that crazy that you take somebody who, uh, who desperately loves dogs more than about any other person I've ever seen and they happen to be allergic to the animal, you know? And so we had to get rid of that dog, a lot of pain and stuff in there. And so uh, went to the, the pet shop. I just thought we, we'd play with them uh, just for a little bit, at least just see them, uh, cheer my daughter up. And they had this, uh, this golden doodle. That's what that ugly dog was. Uh, had this golden doodle in there and uh, su- supposedly hypoallergenic. And so went in, just thinking when we'd look, walked out with, with him. Uh, his name is Champ, all right? So, uh, but, uh, but here's what happened. Uh, when I saw my daughter Grace, um, she was as happy as I'd seen her in years. Um, she was uh, FaceTiming right away with her friends and family and saying, look at my dog, this is Champ. Uh, and she's snuggling with him. The, the dog, I'm joking about him being ugly. He's like a big uh, stuffed animal that moves, all right? He's such a, a sweet thing. Um, but what started happening the day that we got the dog is my, daughter's, uh, my, my daughter Grace started having an allergic reaction to this dog, which uh, is supposedly hypoallergenic. Uh, in the dog world, you can't guarantee that to anybody. And anyone who does guarantee that their dog is hypoallergenic uh, uh, they're, uh, they're just trying to sell you something, all right? Because you can't guarantee it. Uh, it is more probable that uh, this golden doodle would be, but Grace was having um, uh, an allergic reaction to it, and it was actually pretty violent. Um, her eyes were swelling shut. Um, she was getting bumps on her, on her red swollen eyelids. You know when, you're, when your uh, swollen eyelids are getting swollen, all right, uh, that, that's, a, that's double trouble, okay? And so she went to bed that night, uh, not just with uh, uh, itchy, swollen red eyes, but with a broken heart. She'd been waiting for three years for a dog. Now she gets one that looks like a stuffed animal. Uh, and all she wants to do is snuggle the thing and, and make fun memories with this puppy. It li- is it wrong for a child to have a dog? I don't think so. I think it's actually really good and healthy. It teaches responsibility. There's nothing like poop scooping, you know, on a Sunday morning, you know, uh, to, to you know, get the old blood flowing and teach, your, teach, you know, teach children things, you know, um, and uh, nothing like it. But uh, my daughter, Grace, she went to bed crying because she's like, why is this happening, Dad? All I want is a dog. You finally get me a dog, and I can't be around the dog. Okay, and so I remember her going to bed, and uh, and I was feeling um, a, a little a, a little frustrated, but mostly hurt. And I was looking at this dog, and I was starting to create contingency plans. And I was starting to say, man, if we if we you know could I injure the animal and say we had to get rid of it, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> whoops. Ah, oh, I stepped on it. Ah, uh, the uh, what? Um, so, and, oh, Grace, you don't want a broken dog. Oh, no, no thanks, Dad, for help. Okay, uh, so what could I do for this dog? Do I, I can't have a, what is better, to have a daughter with itchy, swollen eyes? Or, or is to have, like, I, I was going through all this stuff. Is there a refund policy? Uh, what, can I, who, who needs a dog? How can I spiritualize this and say, Grace? Holy Spirit led me to give your puppy away. You know, how could I, how can I do this? And Adrian and I started talking about it. And I was, I was feeling heavy and weighty, a little, a little bit angry uh, and uh, uh, very broken because uh, I'm my daughter's dad. And I, wanna, I care about her happiness. That's the heart of the father, right? Um, so I uh, didn't want to teach her lessons, wanted to see her blessed. And so 
So what happened is, as my wife and I uh, uh, started talking about this and praying about this, it's always good, it's always good to pray with your, with your family. And what happened is a Holy Spirit unction began to stir in us. And it's like the Holy Spirit was, was ministering. This is not... Uh, th- this is not, uh, what, what is it? This is, this is not just about, uh, uh, you know, what do you call it when you're, uh, this is not about allergies. This is an attack from the enemy. And I, 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 know, I know in this area, <laughs> when you start talking like this, um, you start getting concerned for somebody's theology. I, I've never had, Providence has never been so concerned for my theology ever in the history of Providence. I'm, I'm so amazed at how many of you are concerned for my theology. Uh, but, but we were praying, and this is, what, this is what the Holy Spirit was ministering to us. I can't apologize for that, all right? I would be a liar if I said otherwise. <laughs> and so, so what we did is we, we began to pray against the allergy. Okay? <laughs> And so what happened is, is that we even started, people that would believe with us, we even started texting them and saying, man, this is, this is the, the Bible says here's the enemy's job. Steal, kill, destroy. All right? So this would probably fall under the, the steal unto me. Steal joy, kill dreams, destroy happiness. All right? And uh, the enemy is much more involved in your life than you know. All right? And we run to doctors and whatnot, uh, but the enemy loves robbing from you and doing it stealthily. And so we began to pray uh, against these allergies. And so Grace woke up the next day, and she went all day long. Her eyes were a tiny itchy, but they weren't swollen anymore. We continued to contend in labor and prayer. And then from day two, she has not had one symptom at all. All right. Yay. Come on. Come on. <laughs> uh, didn't rush into the doctors. I'm not against that. Like so, sometimes we, need, we go and, and there's these great things called allergy shots. Use them. I, I don't care. I don't care. But in this situation, I really felt like the enemy was attacking on this level. Um, so it, we, uh, you can ask my wife if you don't believe me. As, as I said, many of you don't any, anymore, you know. Uh, you can ask my wife. I am not making this up. I am not making this up. Ask her. And if you don't believe her, dude, there's a thing called a roundhouse to the face. Man, she's Greek. She'll do that. All right. So... Uh, the, uh, here's, here's the thing, though, and here's why I'm starting out with this, and here's why I'm starting out being so in your face. I feel like I need to preach not like a prophet, but as a prophet this morning, all right? Because I, I, I believe that what is happening in the church is that, that preachers are safer, when, safer from the church's accusation when they're partnering with a culture of doubt than when they're actually just telling the truth. Do you hear that? So, so what happens is, is the, the, the cultural perceptions begin to drive the ability to receive truth instead of a heart that says, God, I'm a seeker of yours. Whatever you want to tell me, I will consider. And so this morning, I, 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 I'm, I'm tired of leading, uh, leading in a, a culture of doubt type culture where we've been taught that we tell God what he can do and what he can't, what he's allowed to do and what he's not. So I really believe that what God is doing, I think this is an awakening in these days. I think God wants to wake us up to realities that he's better than we know. 
I really believe that God wants to uh, wake us up from, uh, from a, uh, a mentality that says faith in Jesus is safe. Even C.S. Lewis, when he's talking about Aslan the lion, <laughs> they, interestingly enough, they ask, is he safe? Even C.S. Lewis gets this one biblically right. He's not safe. He's wild. But he's good. So this is a biblical concept that God is good, but he is not safe. And should you file, uh, follow him in his wildness, you may, you may want a lap cat and say, oh, so sweet, listen to him purr. <laughs> and then he roars and you go in your pants. <laughs> this is, we, we cannot tell the line of Judah if he's allowed to roar. We, we cannot say, God, I'm only comfortable with you this size in this place. And the kind of church that, that tries to do so and then make it, uh, th- then wrap conservative doctrine around it and actually call it conservative instead of what it is, it's unbiblical. And try to wrap a conservative doctrine uh, uh, around that is the kind of church that completely loses touch with society. It's the kind of church that does not light up the darkness. It's the kind of church that doesn't even, heaven to, uh, doesn't even have heaven to bring to earth. This is, this is, I really believe that God is more powerful than we realize. I really believe that when our kids are struggling with allergies, we can, we can, we can pray against that. And this is no promise that it's always going to happen, but it, the invitation is always there. Hello. This is, I believe that God, that, that if we need grace, he's got more than enough. I believe that he's more gracious than we know. I believe that if we need repentance, he's more kind than we know. Because the Bible says, it's this kindness that leads you to repentance. I believe that, that if you need repentance, you don't need to run from God. What you need to prepare yourself is, is a collision with his kindness. And you'll find out that the heart of the Father is way bigger and way more joyous and way more kind and way more gracious. And there's more mercy than you could possibly understand. But what, what we are used to is being hit in the face with a love letter instead of wooed by it. I believe that God is, is more loving than our minds can perceive. And I know that there's a spiritual battle surrounding the love of God because any time I preach on the love of God, people leave the, this church. A few people have the courage to tell me, and I hear for the grapevine, through the grapevine with most, but the love of God is offensive to the religious. And I believe that, that the love of God isn't like a, a, a lap cat that we just say, okay, love, but I need to work. I, need to, I want to tell you this morning that if that is your mentality, you're the older brother working in the field and you're not in the party. And you need to come in and let the love of God wash over you and break you down. What if God exceeds every expectation that you've ever had for him? What if God exceeds every limit that you've ever placed on him? It's like many of our Christian lives, it's like we've got a, it's like a governor on a vehicle that doesn't let you go past 55. That's no fun. <laughs> yeah, if you think the Christian life is boring, it's because you put a governor on your speed. And that God wants to take you faster. He wants to have no limit on what he can do in your life, but you've established one and you're trying to govern him instead of him governing you. God, what if God wants to burst you out of every box you've ever placed him in? What if God is more able, 
able? What if God is more capable than you've ever thought possible? What if these are the truths? And, and what if what I'm saying right now is not heresy? What if it is biblical? And what if what is heresy is the opposite of what I've just said? What if? And it's easy, I'm, I'm glad to hear the amens because I actually need your help this morning on this one because, because what I'm doing is I, I'm, if, I, if I wasn't a target before, which I was, I'm making myself one this morning. But it's just I'm unwilling to keep going into a, a non-supernatural future. Uh, the, so I actually, I actually, do you know what? If we don't believe in miracles, then you can't be saved because that's the greatest miracle there is. We have to be. So this is, here's one of the foundations, though, for, for this. And, uh, um, and let, me, let me just say this, too, just to kind of put this, uh, I've been talking about cats and dogs. Let me put these puppies to rest, okay? I, I'm not talking about something new in me. This is the same me that I've always been. It's just, this is the season that what has always been happening in me, it's just time for it to come out, you know. So you don't need like this is this is the same me. I, I've I uh, I remember in the early days of Providence, there was a guy that came to Providence. This is this is probably almost ten years ago. There's a guy that, that came to Providence as a last resort. He decided he'd try. Got out. He had a, a brain condition where his brain was w- w- wouldn't stop growing and is pressing in on his skull. And he was about twenty early twenties. Uh, and uh, he the doctors ba- basically gave him a death sentence. And he came to Providence. And someone from our prayer team prayed for. Him and he went back to the doctor, and the doctor said, "You have no more condition." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, there, there's so many, <laughs> there's so many stories. Uh, and in fact, like I think what the world is longing for is is a church that's willing to take the governor off and say, "Hey, God, you're you're all powerful." The uh, New Oxford School District uh, reached out to to Providence and said, "Hey, uh, we're experiencing some kind of dark stuff in our hallways." Uh, we don't know who else to call. Would you come in and pray for the light of Jesus to invade the dark hallways? Uh, okay. Uh, see, that is, the kind, that is the kind of influence that the church is supposed to have on society. So the, when, when the, the church is not help, to help people commiserate more, the church is to help people get breakthrough. And, and to lead a charge into the darkness that says, we're not afraid. We cannot be shaken. We are sons and daughters, princesses and princes in the kingdom of light. We know who our dad is. And with this short vapor of a life that we get, it's going to be a glorious one. So I want to talk this morning about how we respond to what's in God's heart. Because I believe that our response to what's in God's heart is, is so crucial and there's multiple options on when God reveals who he is, his character, and what he wants to do on the earth. How we respond either puts us in a camp where we're posturing ourselves as a culture of doubt, which leads with criticism, or if we partner with the heart of God, which operates in his love. So this is, this is new kind of stuff for us, but I, wanted, I just want us to look at the heart of God expressed in the life of Jesus for a few moments, and I just, I, I'm just asking and inviting Holy Spirit just to come work in this. Through your word, show us what's up. 
aligned us. I think so many of us, you ever been to a good chiropractor? All right, Chad Sackett, the best, all right? You know what I'm saying? Uh, he's, li- he's lined me and my family. I, I can't re- tell you the last time I've been to a medical doctor because, oh, ow, you know, so really good. Um, and I believe that, that God wants to do that to us spiritually. So all of our nerves and everything, our bodies can talk and we're not trying to make it through life, but our left leg don't work. <laughs> the guy wants to line us up again. With, with, with the truth of his scripture, and it just, it just comes out and things happen. And so Luke chapter 13 uh, is a great place to start with that. This is about a woman with a disabling spirit. Yet listen, don't pick and choose. <laughs> don't pick and choose what parts of the Bible you read. Read Revelation, read Hebrews, that'll shake you up, all right? Read Job, read Malachi, right? Right? God, I'm telling you, it's biblical. God loves Italians, right? There they are. Read, read stuff that you, you can't stand and that you need the Holy Spirit to show you. Read stuff that you will never understand this side of eternity. But read the scriptures and wrestle with them. And this is one of those passages. This is Luke chapter 13. Let me just read this to you. It's not very long. Starting with verse 13, going to verse 247. All right? No, no it's just, uh, I, I lost a few of you. Uh, it's just a few verses here going to just seven verses. Luke chapter 13, starting with verse 10. 10, now he, that's Jesus, was teaching uh, in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. We talked about Sabbath a little bit two weeks ago. It's good. Remember, uh, Jesus teaches that we were not made for the Sabbath. In other, wor- in other words, God did not create the Sabbath, so we would have a, a, another uh, uh, taskmaster, all right, another rule to follow. God actually created the Sabbath to serve us. He created the Sabbath for us, that we would get refreshed because he wants us to be refreshed. Okay, so Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath And there was a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. Just read the Bible. It's not not an antique. This is not, it's not like, okay, now science jumped in, so suddenly we have to correct the scriptures. Science gets corrected by the scriptures. And she was bent over. Here's what this disabling spirit did for almost two decades of her life. It bent her over, and she could not fully straighten herself. She needed chiropractic treatment. Look at verse 12. When Jesus saw her, he called her. (laughs) I spent a lot of time on this verse, and I underlined every single word by themselves. Jesus saw her, and his response is he called her over. Now, just just think for a minute. First, this is a woman... You don't talk to women in public. He's, he's breaking societal rules. And you especially don't talk to somebody that may have been considered unclean. Because she's so bent over, she can't straighten herself. And everybody knows her as the cripple. So she's got a false identity on her. But Jesus actually calls her a daughter in verse 16. He's restoring a new identity on her. So Jesus saw her and he called her. He's not afraid of your wounds. He's not afraid of your brokenness. And Jesus saw her and called her over and said to her, woman, you are freed from your disability. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight. And wow, listen to this. She glorified God. (laughs) Wow. If 
if the chief end of our lives is to glorify God, why have we ruled out miracles? Did I read this right? He laid his hands on her. Immediately she was made straight. Oh, and it didn't go to her head. No, it didn't get, you know, she, didn't, she didn't get weird. Uh, her theology didn't go uh, crazy. It's actually she responded with glory to God. Oh, okay. <laughs> that settled. Never mind. Okay. Uh, the, uh, but listen to this. But, uh, verse 14. But the ruler of the synagogue indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath because this guy is a slave to the law. And he's angry at anyone who challenges his master. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people. So he's angry at Jesus, but he's talking to the people. Do you see this? This is unbiblical. This is not Matthew 18. Matthew 18, you're angry at someone, you're indignant at someone, you go to them, correct? Right? Uh, not this guy. The ruler of the synagogue, angry at Jesus. So he takes it on the people. <laughs> but, but the ruler of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, there are six days in which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed. This is how synagogue rulers talk. In Greek, you don't get that. I do, okay? <laughs> and not on the Sabbath day, okay? And then the Lord answered him, you hypocrites. Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the, manager, uh, from the manger and lead it away to water it? So like Jesus is saying, all I've done is I've released a daughter from bondage in the same way that you released your donkey from bondage so it can drink. That's all I've done. That's, why are you angry? It's all I've done. You understand it? We're talking about beasts, you don't understand it when we're talking about kingdom. And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who's, whom Satan bound for 18 years. Now, I came out of a, a theological construct that said, if you were bound, if you were, if, if you were sick, that's, that's because Jesus was doing that to you. That's where I came out of. Um, it's actually very per pervasive, all right? See, Jesus was doing that to you. But here Jesus is saying, ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound? Whom Satan bound? We have to wrestle with the scriptures. And we have to interpret scripture with scripture. Ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? And as he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame. And all the people rejoiced at all the glorious things that were done by him. Can I tell you, I love this last verse because there is a cry from society that wants to see the truth of scripture in actual operation and will rejoice when bondage is shamed and people are liberated. This is what the world needs to see. This is, what, this is what society is longing for. Glorious things done by God. So how we respond to God's heart 
is crucial. In this part, we, we, we see the heart of God in, in the eyes of Jesus. When Jesus sees a woman who had been tormented for 18 years, here's, we see the heart of the Father in Jesus because the heart of the Father on someone who is bound for 18 years, on someone whose future is bleak for 18 years, on someone who's, who's disappointed at best for 18 years, on someone who's been ostracized and pushed to the sidelines for 18 years, on someone who has lost all hope over 18 years, someone who is unliked and unseen and unwelcomed and unloved for 18 years. Jesus sees people like this in torment and his father's heart is compassion. In other words, I want to tell you this. When Jesus saw her, he wanted to heal her. He wanted to. He wanted to. He, he wasn't forced to. He wanted to. He wasn't even asked to. This woman didn't say, Jesus, do you see me over here all hunched and whatnot? I so said, I imagine this lady is at the place where she is so hopeless that even though Jesus is in the house, she, she can't ask. But Jesus doesn't care. Jesus sees her and his heart of compassion makes him not be able to resist her. And he wanted to heal her, so he calls her over, gets in close proximity, puts his hand on her, says, woman, you're loosed. And she jumps up, giving glory to God. It's the response of the, the religious leadership, though, that also shows the heart of, uh, of the, the father by showing what the heart of the father is not. Okay? Because the response of the, the religious leadership, remember when the heart of the father is out and it's compassion and it's action... The, and it's going against societal norms, and, it's, and it's, uh, it's, it's uh, going against false doctrine of the day. And the false doctrine of the day in this context is, is, is you were made for the Sabbath. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. You still don't get it. You're not made for the Sabbath. I made the Sabbath for you. And so Jesus shows us what the Sabbath is for. It's for freedom and loosing, bondage, free living. But the religious spirit is, the, is anti the father's heart because you see, verse 14, that the ruler, his response is indignation, not holy indignation, uh, worldly indignation where he's actually, he, do, you know, do you know what this religious leader is? He's angry at God. Jesus is God. Hello. So, so the religious ruler being angry at Jesus means that he's angry at God. And it's interesting though that he is angry at God due to his biblical conviction. He's angry at God because of his biblical conviction. And his biblical conviction is you don't heal on the Sabbath. It's a biblical conviction. But his, his anger at God due to his biblical conviction is derived from his faulty interpretation of Scripture. So he's using the Bible and saying false prophet. He's calling God, the inspirer of the word, a false prophet. <laughs> Come on. Like, what? But he's angry at God due to his biblical, uh, biblical conviction that's derived from his faulty interpretation of Scripture. And so many times we, we take the Bible and, and we call, what we call heresy is, is just our ignorance. It's just our ignorance. We, we haven't rightly divided the word of truth. We haven't asked the Holy Spirit. We've just, we've just formed opinions. And we've never run this by anyone, especially God. Say, God, you wrote this. Am I on or off? 
Do, do I need deeper understanding and illumination? Or do, do I need to wrestle with this before I share this? So many times we think that we're using the Bible like a sword, rightly dividing, but it's actually a club, hurting movement. He's angry at God due to biblical conviction. He's breaking biblical rules, Sabbath rules. But it's his faulty interpretation of Scripture, not knowing that the Sabbath was given for us, not for us to serve. In verse 17, there's, I, I, I love this. It's, it's, you know, 15, 16, 17, as, as Jesus, Jesus' answer is, you hypocrites. It's many times what we hold as conviction is, is just, it's a conviction because we're blind. And we don't see that just this morning I untied my donkey and led it to water. And the Bible actually says the people are more valuable than donkeys. Kitty cats and golden doodles, all right? And if I, would, if I would water an animal, the heart of the Father is, I want to free my people. I want to free my people. And this, this freedom of God's people, this, this liberation, this is, this is Old Testament, New Testament. This is end of, the, end of the book, beginning of the book. This is Messianic promise starting in the beginning of, of Genesis, and then it's just all throughout Scripture. This is, this is Moses leading God's people out of bondage and people choosing bondage again, being led out. And God is constantly fighting for our freedom, and we're constantly reshackling. And then, then, then having a biblical reason why that shackle is good. It's because we don't understand the heart of the Father, the freedom heart of the Father, the love heart of the Father. This is why the love of God is, is so, it's so abnormal to us. It's so offensive to us. It's like, no, 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 I need to come out of the field from working so God sees that I'm worth something. No, 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 no. The Bible says that you are worth, worth something because of the someone in whose image you were created in. We, we, do, we don't understand the basics here, but we, we think we do, and then we respond with criticism even though we have been faced with truth. Now, um, John chapter 11, here's an interesting one. I'm not going to read this, this, entire, uh, this entire chapter. There's a lot here, but this is very familiar to many of us. This is a passage where, where uh, Lazarus has just died. Jesus is weeping over his death. All right? And he has just been talking about, uh, talking to Mary and Martha about having theological conversations in the midst of the pain that this situation that their brother Lazarus has, has just, has just you know, derived. Jesus, why weren't you here? Jesus, why didn't you show up? Jesus, if you had been here. And Jesus is not, he, he's answering, but he's also crying. This is the heart of God. Crying with you when you're broken. And then starting in verse 38, um, Jesus says, deeply moved, he comes to the tomb and he tells Lazarus to come out of it. And he actually, wait, is this the Bible? Hold on. <laughs> I almost thought this wasn't for a second. Like, <laughs> that can't happen. Wait, no, no. Okay, yeah, it is the Bible. And yeah, it did. Jesus actually told a man who'd been dead for four days to come out of the tomb. And Jesus says, I'm doing this that they may believe that you sent me. I, in other words, manifest your power on earth so they can see your glory, Dad. And the man who had died came out, verse 44, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with cloth. And Jesus said to them, oh, wait, what is he saying? Unbind him. Let him go. I, I want freedom for my children. 
Take the grave clothes off the man because he's not dead. He is alive. And the response to this is glory. God, Jesus is saying that, that it's, it's belief. I'm doing, I, I want you to know who I am, Jesus is saying. This is, this is validation of ministry. This is valid, validation of, of identity and who Jesus is. But the response of, of his children is faith and believing, saying if you can raise someone from the dead, there's nothing that you can't do. I'm with you. I'm following you. My, my girl is sneezing and itching to a golden doodle. Jesus, you raised Lazarus. I'm at least asking. But it's this that actually got the ball rolling for a strategic plan and plot on how to kill Jesus by the religious leaders. Jesus tells a man who was dead for four days to come out of the grave. Look at verse 53 of chapter 11. So from that day on, they made plans to put him to death. There's a lot I could say, guys. But we've got to see this. It's, it's who are you partnering with? Who is your heart lining up with? It's the heart of Jesus that brings life to dead places. But it's the response of the uh, religious leaders that say, this is, we want a kitty cat, not a lion. We want a puppy, not a wolf. We want safety, not just a good God. We want to be able to control our own religion. We want to be able to tell God what to do. We want to be able to say, this is the size box that you can stay in. Oh, don't come out. Don't come out. Oh, I got to leave that church. Go over here to the safe one that doesn't ruffle my feathers. But here God is calling his people and he's modeling his people. He's saying, as I pour out freedom on my church, you, you can either partner with criticism or you can say, I want all you've got for me. Everything you've got for me, since you're a good God, I trust you. And this is the problem that many times Trust is the underlying issue. We don't trust God like we say we do. We don't trust that God moving in power. We'll, we'll, we don't trust. We would rather cling and trust our comfort and stay there for the rest of our lives instead of ascending the heights to the greater depths, to the greater territories that God made, to the greater hills that he may want us to take. I don't know if you've ever heard of this story in Luke chapter 15 called the prodigal son. <laughs> I, uh, I, I haven't preached on this passage since the last Sunday in October, okay? So it, this is February 2nd, all right? So we're starving for it, all right? But I promise you I could preach for all 2020 j just on this text. Just, there's, there's so much here. I, it's, it's like every time I read it, I see it brand new. The heart of the Father being poured out. Just the heart of the Father being poured out. I think this is one of the greatest uh, illustrations of what the gospel actually is. So many of us think that, that you know, we need, to, we need to cry hard and feel so bad and all these things. And like, sometimes you're, our crying hard and sometimes our, our, our feeling bad, God is just using to, uh, uh, to bring us back to his heart. But what we find is when we do come home is that we've got a father who's running after us. What we do find is that, that he who we wanted dead because we wanted his wealth instead of his intimacy that he's actually coming after us again. He's welcoming us with open arms. He's welcoming us back into his family. That we may have left his family, but we were always his son. 
and we come back into his arms and we find that he's putting rings on our fingers, kisses on our face. He's tackling us to the ground with snuggles. He's putting shoes on our feet. He's putting robes on our back. He's declaring to his whole house that this is my boy and he's welcome back. And many of you would be surprised if you would come home to Jesus, you would find him kissing you, not spanking you. But we talk so much about the, the prodigal son. But I, I, think, I think the person in this passage that we need to talk about the most is the older brother. Because it's the older brother's response to his younger brother returning. And, and, and more accurately, it's the older brother's response to the heart of his dad. That is keeping him from moving in the celebration of his father's house. In Luke, Luke 15, starting with verse 25, now his older son was in the field and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. Verse 27, and he said to him, your brother, here's what the servant says, your brother has come. And guess what? <laughs> your dad's killed the fattened calf. It's so awesome. He's killed the fat. You mean the one that we've been, uh, we've been like feeding a lot? Yeah, that's what you That's killing it. Wait, you know, you mean the one that I've been feeding a lot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You mean I've been feeding it so my prodigal brother could be celebrated? Yeah, it's awesome. It's your dad. It's crazy. Your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. Now here's the response of the older, older brother, but he was angry and he refused to go in. Stop right there. Here's the response. Dirty people come in the doors. We say, this is, this is a church for the righteous. This is the, this is a, we got a remnant theology here. And if you can't, if you dress like that and talk like that and smell like that, you, you can't be a part of us. That's not the father's heart. He said, I don't care if you're wearing nothing at all. It's a good example to get some Providence merch for free. <laughs> you are welcome home. And I always want to be, I always want to be a church where, where the, the, the wave that hits you when you walk in is not, did I dress right, but it is love. Love. This is the wave that hits the prodigal coming home. It's, it's the, the reckless, wild father's heart chasing him down. And here's what the older brother just could not live with. He just could not live with somebody who curses his dad saying, you should die. Give me your money. He can't live with throwing a celebration for that guy. He can't live with that. Here I have been in a field slaving, living like a, a slave, not like a son. And now you're treating the prodigal who's wasted all your, fun, your funds like a son. This, this couldn't be right. But this is how so many of our churches are built. It's actually we make leaders the people who sound spiritual and don't know what it is to party. And we actually call this biblical conviction. He's a man of conviction, that guy. He doesn't put up with any ungodliness or unrighteousness. That guy, he, if there's a party going on, he, he tests it out. He asks every, there's not one stone that he doesn't leave unturned, man. He just, he waits in the field. He doesn't want to waste time singing and dancing. Does that sound like leaders that you've served under? And this is where many mistakes are made, that the older brother's response to the prodigal son returning is anger and distance. I will not come in, and I will be angry. 
We call this biblical conviction. We say, I want nothing to do with this nonsense. I want nothing to do with that nonsense. Listen, if your families always have nonsense. Good families always have nonsense. If I wasn't willing to walk into some nonsense, I'd have to leave my family. Be- being a, a dad and a husband in my family means that, that part of my job is to put up with nonsense and be present in it. I want nothing to do with this nonsense. I won't partner with depravity. I will not celebrate sin. Listen, sin's not being celebrated, sons are. This is not like you don't even, we don't even know what we're talking about. And the difference between family con- uh, conflict and a critical spirit is that a healthy family presses in close and parties and celebrates. And a, and a critical spirit has opinions from a distance. Opinions from a distance. That's a critical spirit. Healthy family is, I'm pressing in close. And I'm, we're going to talk. And we're going to party. And we're going to respond with our dad's heart. And we're going to trust him. Conviction here, actually, biblically, is, uh, is rebellion and pride. And rebellion and pride surfaces because the older son just doesn't trust his dad. He doesn't trust his dad's judgment. How could you cash out to him? You knew that he was gonna waste it on prostitutes. The father's like, I know. How could you do that? I'm losing respect for you, dad. And then now this boy who comes back after wasting all his dad's funds, and now he sees his dad who's already kind of not trusting, welcoming him back and giving him more. All trust for his father has gone out the window because his father's blowing all of his theological boxes to shreds. I don't trust you, Dad. I will rebel against your rules. And in fact, Dad, you know what? It's time for me to give you the lesson. And here's the lesson <clears throat> that, his dad, that he gives his dad when his dad, look at, look at the second half of verse 28 where his father came out and, and entreated him. Listen to this. The father treats the older son just like he treats the younger one. His father runs to his older son too. You know that? The father, he, the father came out of the party and, and pleads with him and entreats him, son, I want you in the party. I want you in my happiness. I want you to share in my joy. Son, come on. Son, come on. Dad, I don't trust you. I don't think that you're right. I don't care if you... Come on. Verse 29, but he answered his father, look. Okay. Now this is a, a, a very dishonoring way to speak to an older man, let alone your father in this culture. You, hey, 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 listen up. Look here. This is not how you talk. This is how older sons talk that have lost trust for their dads. Look, these many years I have served you. Well, he's serving, but he didn't have to. He's a son. He's, he's serving because he, felt like he doesn't understand what it's like to be an oldest boy. And I never disobeyed your command. You never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. So it's comparison is robbing him of joy. He's looking at how his dad treated his younger son. And he's looking at, hey, you didn't do any of that for me. But the father says this, son, you weren't operating in your proper identity. You, you didn't, you, listen to this, look at verse 30. But when this son of yours came who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the, the fattened calf for him. He won't even call him his brother anymore. It's just your son. 
is your, this is your doing. Verse 31, and the father says to the older son, and he said to him, son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. Now what the father is doing is, is he's speaking true biblical family identity into his son. Wait, hold on a second. I never asked you to go in the field. You've always been with me. And if that's not enough for you, I'm sorry. All that I have is yours. If you wanted to kill the fattened calf, it was yours to do that with. So here we've got an older son that he's angry and he's critical. He's not pressing in, he's standing out, but he's outside his real identity. And he doesn't know his father's heart and he can't respond to what he doesn't know. And the father goes on to say, it was fitting to celebrate and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. This is how the, the father's heart operates in his kingdom. When lost or found, celebration happens. When darkness is chased out by light, celebration happens. There's more joy in heaven over sinners who repent than the seemingly righteous who don't feel like they have to. And here the, the old brother is telling his dad what's up. And the whole problem is he just doesn't know his dad's heart. And that, my friends, is a sin that I do not want to be guilty of. If I'm not perfect, let me say it this way. When I'm not perfect, I at least want to go down in my dad's arms. You hear this? You hear this? Aiming for perfection is not a biblical concept. It's you have to know the arms of the Father. You have to know the intimacy of the Spirit. You have to know the presence of Jesus holding you ordaining you with blessings, telling you who you are. The cow's for you, son. Like, you can have that. Party with your friends. Come into the party. It's interesting that, that the father in this story, who, who is an illustration of our heavenly father, what he's doing is, is he, he's not hashing out theology. He's inviting into celebration. This is how the father operates. Come in, please, I, I entreat you. Come in. The father goes to both the prodigal and the older. What, what I believe that God is doing in these days is, is God is not leaving you at a distance. He's inviting you in to the deeper places of his heart. He, he's trying to peel back some of the layers and say, no, 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 this is it, it's just wrong understanding. Or that way it was right, but, but you, you never knew this. And he's trying to call you into distance, from a distance, into intimacy. And it's not going to feel good, but you can trust his heart. It's not going to be safe. You're going to be pushed to your limit and then beyond it. But you can trust his heart. This is, this is we, we, have to, we have to vow in our hearts that, God, like, like when it feels weird, I'm not going to pull an older brother response. I'm not going to critique and distrust from a distance. I, I, I don't, I, I, I just want to go down, God, with close proximity to you. I know this, you know, I talked about the puppy that I got for my daughter, Grace. Um, let me tell you, I, I didn't get the puppy because I wanted the puppy. Don't tell Grace. All right. You know, I got the puppy because I love her. It's the father's heart. So I had a plan in my mind that we'll get a puppy when we get a fence up. We'll get a fence up when we do the addition on the back of our house. Because addition on the back of the house is cheaper than buying a new one. All right? And we'll do all this stuff. And I was doing all the math and doing all the math and doing all the math and doing all the math. And then I saw my daughter's heart and she's hurting. And we go to a, 
a pet, a pet shop at the prompting of the Holy Spirit and I do the unthinkable, I buy a dog from a pet shop. I don't care what it came from, if it's sick, I don't care. It's got kennel cough, I'll, I'll pray for it. I, when I saw my daughter holding a puppy, my father heart broke. I thought I had, I had a, a glimmer of hope there for a second because I FaceTimed Adrian and said, Adrian, look what, look what Grace found. Like, I, I, listen, I know it won't work. And she's like, get it. <laughs> oh, okay. There's nothing standing in the way. And I will figure out what I need to do in a fenceless lard, yard. <laughs> in a fenceless yard, I'll figure out what I need to do if it means the happiness of my girl. I'll figure it out. It means rearranging my schedule. I'm gonna, this is the heart of the Father, and this is the heart of the Father for you. If I, an imperfect person, prone to wander, can do this for my daughter, what is an, what is an absolutely, infinitely perfect Father going to do for you? And we need to know how, what it is to respond to the heart of our dad. And that is what I'm tossing on you this morning. If you have a son who asks for a fish, you won't give him a snake. And if he asks for bread, you won't give him a stone. This is the heart of the Father. And how we respond to the heart of the Father means absolutely everything to embracing his movement these days. Can we, I, I'm not going to have you stand right now. I do want you to close your eyes. And I want you to really do a lot of business right now with God. Just for a moment, just take a moment. It's a gift, the gift of this moment. And I want you to pray the most dangerous prayer that you've prayed in a long time. It could go something like this. God, if there's any older brother in me that I'm, I'm more critical than I am loving, I'm standing outside the camp, I only know what it's like to be a part of your house, but I don't know what it is to experience your heart. God, if there's anything like that in me, it's yours. I just pray that, the, that you would do real business with God and you take all the constructs that you've kept him in, and you'd say, since you are a good God, I'll trust you with what you want to biblically do in my life. I'll stop trying to be the Lord of my life, and I will actually do what I've said I would do that's make you the Lord. So you can lead me to deeper depths and higher heights. So you can pour out any power that you want in me and on me and around me. That when I see you on the move, I won't criticize it first. God, just, I, I pray waves of humility, waves of humility, just to, just to wash over us now. And waves of kindness that would lead us to a, a right thinking about who you are and who we're not. And God, as the pastor of this church, I'm just, I'm just sorry that we have uh, tried to put you in boxes of all shapes and sizes. We just say, God, would you come out and show us your goodness? Would you show your power? Would you lead us and be the pastor of this church? Would you change this whole region? Would this be a place, God, where prodigals can come home? Because we, we, we've, we've got a house full of the Father's heart. That's what I pray, God. And so, so kindly woo older brothers back in now, I pray. Do something even more dangerous as your eyes are closed, as your heads are bowed, uh, bowed. Raise your hand. I'm not even going to look. I don't, even, I don't even care to see. I just want, as an act of faith, I just want you to raise your hand with our eyes closed, our heads bowed, and say, God, there's older brother in me that I'm sorry for. I want you to take that right now. Just, just like as you raise your hand, you're just like releasing it to him. Just take this out. 
Just take this out of me. Just take this out of me. All this anger, God, that's been driving me, all this stuff, I just want you to have it, all this criticism. God, I can't even celebrate with people if I don't agree with them. Just take it out of me. Just take it out. Why do I have to agree so much? Just take it out of me. We bless you. We bless you, we bless you, we bless you, God. Thanks that you are a God. Your arm is not too short. You can reach us where, you, where we are at. So God, that's why, that's why I pray right now. By the power of your spirit, you would just reach down and touch and touch and touch. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this message. We pray that this word will bring light to dark places, life to dead places, hope to desperate places, and heaven to earthly places.